So the first sister mentions how dangerous these stalking creatures were. And Orin finally agrees that, you know, it's a problem, but I'm not helping you with it. Uh, the conversation is really great because it's basically the high fantasy version of, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 86. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hedge. What's up, everybody? We're going to start punching some mountains. I'm going to punch a mountain. So we're going to just, we're going to move at a clip for this one because there's a lot of information and we know your time is precious. So housekeeping up top, you can listen to us everywhere. You can send us emails at podcastcore at gmail.com. You can visit us at podcastcore.com for all of our info and follow us on any platform or all the platforms. We appreciate it. Uh, and then leave us a like, comment, short review. Easiest way is word of mouth. Tell one friend to learn to forge their hammer by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. We're talking about this story, The Lost Hills of Orn. And I say story, but it's a collection of multiple stories. So this is a collection of campfire fire stories being told to a group of children by an elder in the Freljord. And specifically, because now we have the card, we believe that it's the favorite artisan or the old woman in the art for the favorite artisan because the quote on that card says, my mother told me of Orn and her mother told her and her mother before and now I will tell you. Listen closely, do not interrupt. Long ago across a great hot churning sea, dot, dot, dot. And that kind of sets up this um, story, which I think the author did on purpose. Yeah, um, and it, it just makes sense for it that way too, because this is like the this is how lore is born. It's a always starts as word of mouth, and it goes down generation after generation, and it you know gets mixed up and is born into legend. So it, like this is we're we're gonna be at the starting point of these legends picking up, which is awesome. Uh, and also we're following Orn, and Orn is just cool. Yeah. So let's, let's hop in. Well, I mean, Orn is hot. Well, this is, that's just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's that meme where it's like, oh no, he's hot. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so we start with the first story, which is the shaping of the land. So, if, by the way, if you haven't listened to our Orn episode, which is 85, go listen to that first. It's kind of like stretching before you work out. You don't want to pull a muscle. So before you come here, go check that one out. It'll help you out. Uh, but we find out that Orn is the oldest demigod. He is the firstborn of his brothers and sisters. So Nivea, all the sisters, et cetera, seal sister, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's born into this world and he immediately challenges the, the land. And he naturally starts shaping the land around him, which we now know as Freljord, which this is counter characteristic to the Orn we know, right? Like, he's running around, he's punching mountains, he's hopping back and forth. It's like, wait, who is this? Yeah, like, um, if you've listened to our the bio for Orn, you know that he is a guy that just wants to be left alone. He likes his privacy, he likes peace and quiet, uh, but at the birth, he is the rambunctious child. So uh, that just means something happened, and luckily we have these stories behind to kind of tell us what happened. I do want to point out, though, that th thanks to these stories, we do know that, yes, he's a demigod, and uh, whereas, like, in his bio, they just are kind of like, we have no idea what Orn is. He's, yeah. he's too chill 
to be a demigod, but also it seems like he's been here literally forever. Yeah. So it, this well, 100% confirms it with, you know, talking with about his sister and uh, talking about like the other demigods there, like his sister and his brother. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, okay. It's just a fact. Pull, cool. We know it now. So yeah, he, he's just a very chill demigod. <laughs> yeah. So he gets tired uh, and then starts to become the Orn we know. He thanks the land for the battle. And the land responds by opening up this fiery pit uh, that he saw his own reflection for the first time, which was a fiery ram. And then, being pleased, he set himself to building tools and weapons. And that's kind of the entry into his birth, into the Orn that we're more familiar with. And that's that's really cool because it is just kind of like a very, you know, simple kind of starting. But also, it's like, no, he literally battled the land. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like so, he's literally like he gets to a point where he punches a mountain, and the mountain didn't budge, and that brought him joy because it meant he could keep fighting the mountain. <laughs> uh, so it's like this: this Orn is a ridiculous being. Uh, but yeah, now that he's chilled out and everything, we hop over into the second chapter, and uh, now that he's gotten to see himself, and that he's come to be thankful for the land for the battle and the land has opened up to him, he decides to build a house. Uh, and obviously a demigod's going to have a very humble house, right? Yes. This is my favorite tale out of the two, out of the <laughs> five here. So this one's the origin of snow. So he builds a majestic horn hall. So before the hearth that we talked about before, he had the horn hall, which spanned three valleys. So it was in <laughs> Georgia. um and he was satisfied so much that for the first time before language existed he spoke saying to himself good (laughs) key key point this is before language existed so this is (laughs) that's high praise (laughs) praise. (laughs) so since he used anivia's favorite tree to build it uh, she wanted to teach him a lesson, right? Because she now exists as well. And one of his sisters. So while he's sleeping, she goes in and with her feathers, she tickles his nose. Like this is classic, like fairy tale type stuff. Tickles his nose, causing him to sneeze, but it's orange. So he sneezes and fire comes out and he sets the bed sheets in the floor ablaze. Anivia panics and tries to get out of there. And while she's panicking, she's flapping her wings, which is fanning the flames, which is making everything burn faster. So she takes off, but Orn doesn't wake up. He sleeps through it and he wakes in a pile of ashes. And to this day, he doesn't know she caused it and she won't tell him. But what he thinks caused it was him praising himself. And he vowed to never compliment his own work. His damn pride. (laughs) His damn pride. But yeah, like if you follow other mythologies like Norse mythology or Greek Roman mythology, like this is all of those old tales are like this where, you know, it's simple human like interactions of a sister being a a pain in the ass while you're trying to sleep. Uh, But they're demigods, so it's a global scale. She, because of Anivia's little prank, she literally sets three valleys on fire. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. I love it. So his next goal was to learn from this lesson uh, and build a non-flammable home. Or a f- I, I forgot how the flame was inflammable is technically not flammable. I forgot how that works. Uh, yeah. We won't it, go down that path right now. It, it won't burn down. Go to TikTok if you want to go, go down to that path. TikTok if you want that info. <laughs> so he then created more tools. He created a spade, a lever, and a fork to allow him to dig, move things, and eat. 
because who doesn't love food, especially in this age? And he digs into the Black Mountain and finds out it's too hot for him to live inside the mountain. So he then decides to dig a trench. And this trench leads to the sea. Uh, and that's going to come into the mountain and the water's going to flow in. So after about three days after uh, his the seal sister, which is mentioned in other things about the water, you know, we'll get we'll get to there, right? There's other yeah, stories. That's down the road. That's down the road. But the seal sister allowed him to use the water and it flowed into the mountain. So after three days, he finally was able to live in it. But this process darkened the sky because we know how, you know, evaporation works. Yeah. Water <laughs> doesn't actually disappear. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? So it, obviously with all of the steam being yeah. created in such a cold climate, the moisture goes up into the sky mm -hmm. and then becomes snow. But again, these are demigods we're talking about. So the scale, the, um, the scale is that, uh, you know, he pours enough water into this mountain and all the steam forms into snow and it snows for a hundred years. <laughs> that's it. And, and that's it. This is why the Freljord is covered in snow. It's because Orn just wanted to build his house. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's why it's covered in snow to this day. Uh, and that lead, that ends that story, that tale. And the, the frame for this is, remember, she's telling this story to these kids as they're slowly dozing off. So they keep asking for more and more. And she's running out of stories. So we get the third story here called The Three Sisters Ask Orn for Help. Now, we have more episodes that are important <laughs> to this concept. Uh, cough, cough, Lysandra, cough, cough. Cough, cough, Sejuani, cough, cough, Ash. <laughs> uh, the Three Sisters may or may not be important to the yeah. lore of Freljord. Yeah, so go check those out. It might give you a little bit of insight here. Um, but we have three sisters asking Orn to help them save the world. And they're very vague on what that means. Uh, and all, honestly, it doesn't matter because he doesn't have any interest. So the first sister mentions how dangerous these stalking creatures were. And Orn finally agrees that, you know, it's a problem, but I'm not helping you with it. Uh, the conversation is really great because it's basically the high fantasy version of, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I mean, it really is just like he never even looks up from his forge. And he's like, that sounds like a problem. That This is the high fantasy version of, damn, that's crazy. Are you done? Like, are you done talking to me? Can I just go back to my own world? So the second sister is like, okay, well, can you like help us dig a trench and then a trench and then we'll lead the creatures into it. And you don't have to do anything else. And he's like, all right, I can do that, right? Since he planned on doing it anyways, quote unquote, um, you know, kill two birds with one stone. So he simply dug a deep hole and then he left without a word, right? That's kind of his style. If he agrees to do something, he'll do it reluctantly and then leave, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then years later, after this battle occurs, the sisters return and the third one, the shysty one, um, asked him <laughs> for one more favor. And the third sister, you know, she asked him, okay, teach me how to build a bridge since the hole you built for us was a bit too wide and not anyone can do it. Right. Uh, and he was hesitant about this third sister, mainly because her magic, like her aura was off. Um, she failed the vibe check. She failed the vibe check. <laughs> like, the vibes are off, man. Exactly. And the second sister, who's more honest, knows that the sister's lying and knows that they don't need him to build that bridge. There's no reason for that. Uh, so, you know, he was cautious, but he ends up doing it. And one reason that leads him to do it is she mentions star metal. 
Yeah. And that catches his interest. And, and if you follow anything in the fantasy realm, uh, there's always mentions of using meteorites as, as in blacksmithing. So, that, I mean, star metal is clearly a meteorite. And Orn, as we covered in his bio, he just wants to work his forge. Yeah. So then it's like, I don't care about your conflict. But a new toy for my forge, you say? <laughs> now that, now that has my attention. Yeah. Even though he's a demigod, he's only human. He's only human. <laughs> <laughs> so she agrees, okay, I'll use the star metal. I'll also take some as payment, and then you're good. Cool. So the first thing he does is make a tool, because when you're working with something like star metal, you want a star metal tool to do it. It's like cutting diamonds with diamonds, right? Um, so he makes a tool out of star metal. He builds the bridge. and he decides, oh, this tool, I like it a lot. And it's for hammering, so I'll call it a hammer. You know what? I like simplicity. I like simplicity. Straight yep. to the point. Straight to the point. It done. sells itself. <laughs> um, so once he's done, same kind of deal. He's out of sight, right? He bounces, and the third sister starts walking along the bridge and casting some incantation to seal the creatures below. Once again, go listen to our Lissandra episode. Yes. And her uh, story. <laughs> that, that's a big deal. This is yeah. a big deal happening. Not to Orn. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his problem. Uh, but he does know what's going on, right? He was already suspicious of her. Um, and he knew that if she did that, it would corrode over time, that bridge. It made the bridge weaker by her adding that magic to it. Uh, it would take many ages, but it would happen. And he vowed from that point forward that he would no longer do favors for people. And not only vowing, he decides to get rid of the tools he used to do favors uh, to ensure that he couldn't go back on his word. So he throws his spade to the west, and then he throws his fork to the Great Sea, which becomes an important tool uh, mm -hmm. down the road for someone else. Cough, cough. Cough, cough. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, and then he couldn't bring himself to throw his hammer away because he just liked it too much. So he held on to it. Yeah, and so, you know, if, you, if you're if you involved in a shysty deal, get rid of the evidence. Make sure that you were never there. Don't take your cell phone with you. Um, <laughs> also, also probably delete this episode of the podcast if you're under investigation just yeah. for that line. Uh, but, but yeah, no, like, I, I love here, too, because this is, like, set, setting up the orn that we know of just, like, he doesn't want to bother with other people. And people don't get there just not, they don't get there on their own. They get there because of other people yeah. that have just taught them that like, yo, I don't like this. And Orn is like, I don't like people asking me for favors. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm go I just want to stay in my forge and be myself. Yeah. The cool thing about these stories, like we, I mean, we mentioned this in the previous episode where this gives you a more deeper rounding of Orn as, uh, he's a demigod, but he's still learning, right? It's like Hercules, right? You, over the course of these experiences, he's learning. And he's learning in a space that's kind of sanitized, right? Because there's not that many beings outside right. of his brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's why I keep bringing up, like, these other mythologies. Is because yeah. it's like these other mythologies, they keep the gods human. Yeah. And Orn is very much just human as far as his demeanor. And it just so happens that when he sneezes, he burns mountain ranges. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get to the next story, the fourth story. The Troll and the Ramdor, another good one, uh, yeah. enters Grubgrack. Uh, and I, I love this one because, just because of the first line of the story, which is, everyone knows that you never challenge a troll to a drinking contest, don't they? Uh, <laughs> I didn't so know you, that. <laughs> you already know that this is going to be a good one. <laughs> so he's the oldest troll kin in the world. 
And I'm just going to read the description because it's great. It doesn't hold back. Uh, it's pretty much a roast, roast session at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, Grubgrack the hairiest, or the, the hideous, sorry. It's probably hairy too. The hideous was the oldest troll kin in the world. His chest hair was so long it got tangled up in his gnarled toes. Ugh. <laughs> he would often trip over it and break his nose, which was bulbous and misshapen from being broken so many times. He only had two good teeth, one bad eye, and one worse eye. Warts and pimples covered his rounded belly. I would tell you how he smelled. If I did, you would never eat fermented fish stew again. Wow. This yeah. writer had fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, it does, and, and it does read like a roast thing. I can, the, the writer's got a cigar in one hand, <laughs> a, a cocktail in the other hand, and is just smiling into a microphone as he's like, yeah, the crowd's eating this up. Like, this is the roast. <laughs> like, Hunter S. Thompson. Like, <laughs> Like, Time for my cocaine bin. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why the furrow yard's covered in snow. <laughs> oh, man. Too good. Yeah, so Grubgrack the Hideous earns his title mm. as being the hideous. And uh, so as far as with this, we have Grubgrack coming to Orn as like, build me a door that will keep my treasure safe from thieves forever and we've already gotten some foreshadowing as to what's going to happen here or like a little bit of the, yep. we cover it in some other episodes just listen to all of our first just episodes just we go only have a hundred plus episodes just go listen to all of just them just go listen to them uh but <laughs> so we know what door this is but we also what we don't know is that orn isn't too happy about this because we just covered that he doesn't want to do favors anymore. He does not. Uh, so Grubgrack is like, hey, build me this door and I will give you 10 casks of my troll mead. It's yeah. a family recipe. He doesn't want it. Orange <laughs> just wants him to go away. Yep. Uh, but Grubgrack is incessant and he sticks his foot in the door and Orn usually tries to find other ways to convince himself to do something. He's like, well, if he doesn't move his foot, he's going to scratch my pain. All right, I'll let him in. Let him talk. And he says, okay. I'm going to challenge you, challenge you to a drinking contest. Once again, you don't do challenges with trolls. Uh, and Orn's like, okay, well, I agree, but only if you go away. Because <laughs> Orn thinks he can win it. So as he turns his back to, pre to prepare for this you know, challenge, Grubgrack slips some true ice into his cask. Uh, not his cask, but into Orn's cask. Right. And then they begin the competition. So when Orn's drinking, he's doing good time but he notices that it feels like he's constantly drowning uh and grubgrack is able to finish his and put his down and laugh at him so he wins right and then or notices that his drink is still filling perpetually because the true ice is constantly melting and refilling the cask well, this is such a brilliant little use of the world around them to yeah. make sure that Grubgrack gets the win. Yeah. Because it's a fun way of telling you more properties about the true ice. Yeah. Because like, we just know that the true ice was there from the dawn of time. Yeah. Uh, but, and we know that, like, the, um, and I'm blanking now, but the, like, the heroes, the Iceborn. Yes. Like, the Iceborn have some kind of connection with the true yeah. ice. And here's Orn. Just drinking it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a fun way of like, yeah, yeah, you know, true ice never melts. Or if it melts, it melts perpetually. Yeah. How did you know that? Uh, a drinking contest. Yeah. <laughs> it's as if Grubgrat got it from like Spencer's. Yeah. Right? In this context. <laughs> so 
after this happens, he's like, Orin's like, okay, a deal's a deal, even though you cheated. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make your your stupid door. So he smashes his cask and he says his word is as good as his hammer, and he gets to work. So over 10 days, he builds the single best door he's ever built. And he makes sure he puts a giant ram's head in the middle. We'll come to why that matters in a moment. Uh, and then once he's done, he fastens it. And as the author put particularly, he trundled off. I love that. And I was like, ah, you sly fox, you. Y'all gross. Y'all gross for that. <laughs> Y'all gross. <laughs> and speechless, which is, you know, tough for a troll. He finally just sits there staring at the door and admiring Orn's work because he's no fool. He knows why he went to Orn. Uh, and then finally his wits come to him. And because he's a greedy troll, he's like, I haven't counted my money in a day. I need to count my gold now. And he panics and he tries to get it. But what happens? Uh, Orn made the best door that has <laughs> ever been made. And a good door is not going to open unless you got the key. <laughs> yeah. So it's Orn's turn to cheat somebody. <laughs> yeah. And Grubgrack is like, well, shit, man, listen. He's like, I know I tricked you, but I didn't take anything from you, right? Nothing valuable. Uh, like, I didn't steal from you. And Orn turns around and replies, Time is more valuable than gold. And to this day, if you listen closely, you can hear the troll's wails from of anguish before an avalanche. Yep. And still never got back in. It's like my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> His phone's probably dead. Yeah, it's not charged. <laughs> so the phone's dead. He's running out of rations. Yeah. And he's still just trying to beat down this door. And the and I love that they, you know, they keep hammering and it's a, the ram headed door stares back at him. <laughs> yeah, An dude. eternal reminder of the time he cheated Orn. Uh, and uh, I, like, again, this is just like akin to all of like old mythos and yeah. stuff of just, you know, there's all there's always a cost coming with these different, uh, you know, these decisions that you make. There's always a consequence. Uh, and but these stories are very simple. Yeah. Uh, it's but these grand scale of just like largest craziest looking door you've yeah. ever seen most impenetrable door <laughs> uh, but that's but otherwise it's just like yeah, i locked i locked the door and kept the key <laughs> like, it, it, it's like if you, if you just take away all the grandeur of it it's a very simple story <laughs> yeah, yeah so we get to the final story here and this elderly woman is only telling it because the youngest one of the youngest uh, kids is still awake and he's not believing it. Right? He doesn't believe in Orin. He doesn't believe in these fairy tales. And he's still awake. So she offers him her final and best story that she was saving for later. And this is the tragedy of the Hearthblood. So this actually ties into our bio episode that we did previously yeah. um, and gives us more context on that. Yeah. The tragedy of the Hearthblood. So is, is, does it have a happy ending? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, but Romeo and Juliet's a happy ending, right? <laughs> oh, no. So long ago, there was a legion of smiths living at the base of the mountain, of Orn's Mountain, known as the Hearthbloods, right? They claimed to worship Orn, but not really in an overtop, in an overtop way, right? They valued his approval. They made weapons. They made tools, and they would bring them to him, uh, and they called themselves the Hearthbloods. And... Not like a gang, but like, <laughs> there's no Hearth Crips, right? There's <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to be careful what colors you're wearing up that mountain. Exactly. 
But Orn understood this. They were amazing at their craft. They took their time. They took pride in it, and so did he. So he was hesitant to outwardly praise them just because of his past, right? Uh, but whenever they would show them, uh, show him their tools, he would merely say passable. Yeah, and, and we know from his bio that it was like you know the. Otherwise, it's not a word. It's just a nod or a shake of the head. Yeah. Like it, the the conversation is very minimal. Yeah. Uh, and, but it, this is where we actually get like uh, some details where it's like Orn never admitted that he uh, that he admired the hearth blood, but deep inside his chest, his volcanic heart churned with respect for the hardworking people. Yeah. Uh, so it's like the he, Grinch's heart. He does grew. Have, <laughs> grew tenfold. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's got, it's like, he does, he likes having these people around and yeah. he's just never going to admit it because he wants to be left alone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, enters Boulder. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> who we find out is his brother. So Volar bear comes in like a wrecking ball and he's the complete opposite of Orin, right? Like I said, every Thor needs a Loki. Uh, and he demands Orn make his followers weapons and armor for some battle that he's gotten himself into again. And Orn refuses because that's not how his situation works, right? Like Volibear, he kind of twists and molds his followers. He demands like flesh. Like, we won't go too much into it because we'll talk about Volibear at a later date. Yes. But that's not Orn's whole situation with him and the Hearthbloods, right? Uh, and he's like, no. And Volibear's like, well, shit, if you won't do it, then make your followers do it. That's why they exist to, you know, follow your whim and Orn re- reiterates that these are not my followers. They simply build for themselves. Uh, and as is going on, Volibear knows what he's doing. It's his brother. He knows he's poking the right buttons. And one big giveaway is Orn's horns are getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Then they get white hot. And then he demands that Orn uh, Volibear leaves and never returns. And all Volibear is like, okay, cool. And literally does a thing like a cat does and swipes everything off a shelf. He grabs the armor <laughs> off the wall and he's like of the forge and Orn immediately charges him and the fight is on. Yeah. Uh, so from now on on our show, we're just going to refer to him as Volley Cat. Volley Cat. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's straight up just like a cat. Just like, oh, you have this on the table? No, it's off the table now. <laughs> so I took it and threw it on the ground. Um, so they fought for days, eight days. So in the previous bio, it was a night, right? In this, it's eight days and the damage to the land was unimaginable. We talked about this in the previous episode. There were lightning strikes. The skies were black and red. I mean, there were literally moving mountains. And worst of all was the resolve of the fight, which was the annihilation of the Hearthbloods. Yeah. Uh, so again, you know, it is. We're we're laughing as far as just like the way that you know Volibear, like a you know like any little brother, is just gonna poke the right buttons yeah. to make sure that you know like I'm either gonna get my way or we're gonna fight. Like yeah. he knows what he's doing, and then we're Mom laughing. Mom said it's my turn on the Xbox, yeah. and it's like we're laughing about <laughs> you know like like a cat sweeps all the stuff off the table. Uh, but this is just like the other stories where Orn you know sneezes, yeah, uh, or you know he's just pouring water into his new home, but these are demigods. So everything is a much bigger scale. So yes, this is a brotherly, you know, a brotherly tussle, but the lightning and the fire is on cataclysmic levels. Like we're talking about a God that when sneezes burns a whole mountainside. What if he's intentionally Letting the fire out. Yeah. That that that's the level that we're jumping to as far as the destruction that 
is in the wake of their fight. Exactly. And then from that point on, it really hits, uh, hits home, hearth home. Uh, it stood <laughs> silent uh, from that point forward. No one really knows from the lore. Pers- so this is where we get some deviation that we talked about in the last episode from the bio versus the story. Um, here, we're told that some say that Orn died in that battle. Um, and there's only these light puffs of smoke coming from where his forge used to be. But others think that he's quietly and slowly building a great weapon that he will one day unleash for, you know, a future threat that we know about. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Let's do all our episodes. And then he hasn't returned to Freljord since. Like, people haven't seen him since. Um, as we mentioned from the cards, hearth bloods are starting to pop back up and people practicing it. We know from Anivia's um, episode where Anivia is kind of coming back and checking out things in the current time frame and not really sure if she wants to get involved or not. So they are, his brothers and sisters are taking physical forms again in the current timeline. So it only makes sense that if Orn is alive, he should pop back up. Uh, but Volibear is not going to tell yeah. us that. And, and, <laughs> and it's also because like, he's not going to say he lost. Yeah. And one of, one of the, uh, one of the lines that is from their argument is that Volibear says, oh, well, your followers are a ref- reflection of you. Yeah. So the, Orin is somebody who wants to keep to himself. So even if he comes back, he still wants to keep to himself. Yeah. Uh, and like we know, Volibear's around because there are, are like the Ursine tribe, and the, you're not going to look at someone and ask yourself, "Do you think he follows Volibear?" No, you're gonna know. <laughs> you're gonna know that they're the Ursine tribe. So, yeah. like Volibear is, is very he an Eagles fan. <laughs> oh, you'll know. You'll know he likes the Eagles. I I work with an Eagles fan, so that is so funny to me. Every Friday he's dead. Um, But yeah, so like, you know, you're going to know that Volibear fans are Volibear fans. Whereas, you know, like not only were all of the Hearthblood basically wiped out that we're learning, but if they're coming back, if they're a reflection of Orin, they're not going to be yeah. announcing themselves. Yep. They're just going to be making the finest crafts that they can make quietly. And they'll share them with you and they'll work with you, but they're not going to go out of their way to do so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's the Orn we promised. We gave you the whole spiel. Psych, there's more, but not now. <laughs> not yet. You've had enough. It's yes. been two episodes. No, no, no. And just like the child that grandma was finally getting to go to sleep yeah. around the campfire, it's you, you let, let the fire die down a bit. Take rest. We'll talk more later. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so with that, as always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with the next episode. <laughs> Take care, everybody.